Hello there. Hello there, and welcome to the SysTaker Snapshots podcast. I'm Colin Brown, and today I am joined by Bob D. Hello there. And Al Watson from IQ Games. Hello there. So we're going to discuss a couple of things today, one of which is the, the Ready Room X-Wing tournament that happened this past weekend at Element Games. But we're going to start off with just a quick recap of the, the results from the German Grand Championships that also happened this past weekend. So it's kind of tricky to find a lot of list info for, for this event. But in the final, we had Whisper Duchess Vader up against uh, a new version of the Resistance Fives. So it was Elo, Nien, Tally, and rather than Lulo, Finn in the Resistance Pod. Uh, and it was won by the Imperial Aces. So, what do you think of that, Bob? Imperial Ace-wise, they are good right now. And if you pick certain units and stick them together, then you're never going to make a bad list. What was the bid on the Imperials? Uh, I'm not entirely sure, to be honest. I've seen different versions of the list, but I think it was approximately 10 points. Okay. Yeah, kind of so serious, serious bid to support the, the High Initiative pilots. It's got game against everything. Uh, if it sees a swarm, it's going to fly about the place and force the swarm to pick a target, and then that target's going to disappear. The swarm's going to lose formation, and the aces are going to get around the back. Against the other aces, it's hoping it's got a big enough bid. And against stuff like Rebel Beef or two-ship lists, it's going to be doing the thing of trying to whittle away points uh, before it disappears into the into the distance and uh, avoids conceding any points. Um, it's It's rock solid, really. And it has been doing well. Yeah, I think. Uh, have you got any thoughts, Al? No, not really. You've pretty much said all the main key points. I mean, as you say, it was those three ships, but you could have easily had Sunterfell or someone else in there and basically do the same thing. It doesn't matter how little hull you have if you're never actually getting shot. You know. Yeah. Yeah, it kind of comes down to taste. In terms of it being imp aces, like we have seen an awful lot of people flying Republic aces, and they have a few tricks up their sleeves, like you can get a sense in, and so on. I don't know. Do, uh, do you think it's just a matter of personal preference, player by player, or is one of those factions better than the other? I, I don't know better. Like a lot of things on, on this, it's easy to go, well, that's win the most. So if I put that on the table, then I will become one of the guys who wins the most. And of course, it doesn't work like that, because you need to be the right kind of player to use that kind of list. I am appalling with Imperial Aces because they depend so much on on never really engaging. And you've got three ships that you've got to run about the board with rather than than one, which is what you've got with Fen Rao. Uh, Fen Rao and Bobber is a very different kettle of fish and is, is trying to do something quite different from the, the Imperial Aces. And, and I would be absolutely hopeless trying to play Imperial Aces, but that doesn't mean it's a bad list. It just means I'm bad with Imperial Aces. And I think people do overlook the sort of horses and jockeys aspect of, of list building. You've got to build what's right for you or choose to take what's right for you. And, and for me, actually, I would prefer to play the Jedis than Imperial Aces because I think they are a little bit more interesting. They are more willing to engage. They've got some shields, so they are hoping to be able to tank a little bit of incoming fire. And if you time that right, then then it can be game-winning. And it's just a little bit less tedious than, than running away and hiding in the corner all the time. Yeah, I agree. I mean, equally, the Jedis also have um, the Force on top of it. So it, it might be a case as a, a lower skill floor. You know, so it's, it's easier to 
get more out of the Republic Aces list than the Imperial Aces list. Yeah, I think you get less punished maybe by mistakes. Yeah, because you don't. If you get bumped, you don't mind that much. And equally, being able to was it use the fine tune controls for a, a reposition and then another reposition as the action and come out of it unstressed is you know cannot be discounted. No, but I think you make a good point. And the ability to get right into range one and stay there without being too scared is is massive with the Jedi. Uh, uh, whereas the Imperial Aces usually want to try and go in and take a range one when they're out of arc and then then disappear again. Because uh, a lot of them just don't have the uh, the token stack that will help them through. Yeah. Yeah, plus you can get the regen droids on the Republic, so they're... Even though, like, if you're putting seven B on them, which you probably want to, they're uh, they're going to be quite survivable anyway because they can get those shields back. So the other list, Talin Yen and Lulo, or not Lulo, rather Elo, were part of that Resistance Five list. So we know they're a fairly solid three quarters of a list. But the new part of it was putting in Finn instead of Lulo. He's quite a different ship in pretty much every way. So what, yeah, what do you I think mean, I played that? I've played that list two or three times now and what tends to happen is that Finn gets very nervous about actually engaging rather than complimenting the other two ships they're having to support him and the ability is really really good I mean you've got extra dice that are bound to turn into evades and all this sort of stuff that's fantastic the the problem is his dial and the fact that he can't afford to be stressed because he's so dependent on focus tokens just to not die and to do anything at all. It means that there's going to be a time when, when he's going to flip. And if the list isn't carrying layer, then it means that, that there's always an opportunity to, to get behind him. And I've also been taking proximity mines. So when he has got behind me, I've been able to make his life quite uncomfortable. So I'm uh, not blown away by Finn. I, I get that the ability is amazing. But I just think that the the chassis that it's on means that it's it's hard to exploit it to its to its best. Yeah, I mean, I have I don't play resistance, and I, my local resistance player fixates on Ray all the time, so I'm not actually played into into Finn at all yet. So I just don't really have much I guess, to say on that one. Yeah, I think it's it's interesting, Bob, that you say he's kind of unwilling to engage. I find when I, I've flown him a few times now as well to see what the hype's all about, and I've quite comfortable just flying him at things and just letting his ability tank shots like that seems to be where he's best placed if anything it's as you say the chassis and the dial means that he can't engage he just kind of gets left in the dust yeah and 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 if he's if he's sat at the back complimenting the shots from the other three ships that is maybe where he's most dangerous and that's ironic because actually his his defensive abilities mean that he can be at range two and and afford to be taking a bit of incoming fire for a turn or two. But I, I don't know. He, there was a lot of hype about him when the ability was spoiled. And I don't know. I'm just not feeling him living up to that, that level of hype. Um, I mean, I'm certainly not saying he's terrible. But he's uh, not an upgrade to the Resistance Fives lists for me. Um, I think all all four of the previous pieces are at least as good as Finn. Um, he's just a different way of doing that Resistance Five type list. Although obviously he's not I five. 
It's a big disappointment to all of us. All right. <laughs> That's enough about that. Uh, so now we're going to move on to the X-Wing Ready Room tournament that happened. And what we're going to do is discuss Al and Bob's results. They had flying variants of a very similar list. So, Al, we'll start with you, because congratulations, you ended up winning the event. Uh, thank you very much. So, you've flown a bit of Boba, Fenn, and L3 before, uh, before your uh-huh. success over the yeah. weekend. Do you want to run down what was in your list? So, uh, L3 with nothing on her. Uh, Fen with Fearless, and then Boba with just a perceptive co-pilot on him. And a nice big 10-point bid. <laughs> yeah, it's quite striking. So do you find the bid important? I play, well, at IQ in, in the least, we've got a couple of folk that really do go massively in for the bid. So either go big or go home, really. <laughs> mm. And you used to use Predator on Fen. You... I did. Yeah. In fact, I've actually got Bob to thank for me to swapping over to Fearless. <laughs> I, I, well, I originally started with Fearless and went, well, I'm not using it. Let's try some, something else. And with Boba going down a point and me losing the tack officer off of L3, I went, well, let's try Fearless. Let's yeah, run it for a few nights and go, actually, this is all right. I'm 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 not being as afraid of um, rolling out of shots at range one as I was before and Equally, if I do get bumped into something and I'm at range one of the target behind it, it's just nice to have that soft mod there. Well, that guaranteed one hit. Yeah, it's very nice. Because Predator, yes, it's a re-roll, but it, it can fail utterly at times. Yeah, and lining up that bullseye can be hard. Oh, true. Um, and so what do you tend to do with L3? So what kind of things does she do? She's typically there to hang behind... Boba and support him with other actions so either, either the focus actions or reinforcing before he's moved to clear the stress there and have the action there or equally having a cheeky boost at initiative 2 that people may not be expecting so I can get in the way block and then have Boba fly over to shoot out the rear yeah it sounds pretty cheeky Yeah. Uh, have you noticed the loss of tactical officer it's, yeah, it can be a little annoying. There was a few times when I had the attack officer when I'm not stressing, going, well, actually, if I stop here, my opponent might not see it. They might then bump into all three and might put me in a better position. Obviously, if I'm stressing myself out all the time, I can't stop. I can't do my 3K, and obviously, and I can't do any of my turns either. So it's, it's annoying, but it's also... Not annoying enough that I want to spend six points on it. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Uh, even some uh, um, XTC lists, like Team Ireland, are bringing a Boba Fen L3. Or whether they're not bringing L3, they're bringing the autopilot drone. Yeah. And they're just thinking because, you know, that coordinate in the first few turns is when you really need it, and beyond then L3 can get left behind a bit. Have you ever thought of that, or does it just not appeal? Do you think that was wrong? I really don't like the idea of giving my opponent three points. I'm okay with them destroying L3, but if they're destroying L3, that means they're not shooting Bob or Fen. Yeah. Yeah, So, yeah, yeah, it may only be 12 points I'll be giving away with the autopilot drone, and yes, I could maybe put it in a position where it will blow up in a spot where I want it to be but actually I like to be a little slower in those first few turns anyway to just set myself up into the right spot completely fair Bob, you took a bit of a more expensive variant what was in your list? 
Yeah, I was running at 199 and my bubba was different. It was the same Naked Leap and the same Fearless Fen, uh, although I've started to wonder about Predator now. But yeah, it was Fearless Fen. And then on bobber, I had the Marauder title. I had some skilled bombardiers and some proximity mines. And I also had IG-88D instead, instead of the perceptive co-pilots. So what I'm trying to do with my bobber is to leverage the rear arc as much as possible by having the range two or two ruler range on the prox mines and also the Marauder reroll, which means that when you, you pull through the initial engagement, you don't need to be K-turning. You can just blast through and then use the, the boost to bring yourself around whilst at the same time having a fair amount of offence coming out the back. And uh, it's, a, it's a different approach to, to dealing with aces. What you're really trying to do is to persuade the aces to chase into, into Bobber's rear arc. Uh, I had one game at the ready room uh, against Dave Sutcliffe's I-6 Han Solo. And I just didn't see Han because Han was, I think, 192. And it meant that with the bid, I stood no chance of getting anywhere near him. And so there, I, I do see the advantage of Al's list. But the, the fun thing about the, the Leap Bobber Fen build is, is those last 15 points. There's loads of stuff you can do. I know that the Slave 1 title which lets you adjust your manoeuvre after you reveal it, is is quite popular with some. There are other bits and bobs you can do with stuff like uh, a rig cargo chute. Uh, back that up with something else that milks the stress mechanic that comes off there, and, and you can have some fun. There's a lot of flexibility in those 15 points because Bobber and Fenn both wanting to get up close and be at range one of the, the opposition opens up all those short range abilities and, and things that are affecting the battlefield immediately around the, the two main ships in the list. And just to echo what Al said about Leap, if somebody decides that my Leap represents four points of ablative armour on Fen or a Bobber, that's absolutely fantastic. You, you crack on and shoot him. And, and that's not necessarily a bad strategy because it does undermine a lot of what Bobber in particular is trying to do. But the coordinate on Fenrau can be really handy as well for a, a barrel roll early in the in the turn at I2 to reposition him. That can be super sneaky. And it, it opens up interesting bits of the decision tree because you can be thinking to yourself, well, actually... I've got nothing else to do with Leap next turn. So instead of stressing Fenrau to finish the turn with a barrel roll, it actually suits me better to start next turn by barrel rolling him and and then take it from there. It, it opens up all kinds of options. And if uh, you run the, um, the drone that's just going to blow up, uh, the autopilot drone, you can just ignore it's going to do what it's going to do, whereas having leap means that if you do choose to put shots into in turns two and three, then those shots are still providing value all the way through the game if you manage to do some damage and, and potentially you could take him off nice and quickly without feeling that nature will take care of it all for you and the autopilot drone will just disappear once it's stopped being useful. So I think mm. the, the extra 14 points are well worth it. Oh, yeah. I think the other fun part is um, for the Ready Room tournament, there was actually a third 
Boba Fenn L3 list uh, with an entirely different, well, I say an entirely different loadout on Boba itself. Um, I don't know how well he did in overall, but yeah, I'm just looking at the list now. It's Slave One title, Kira, Heavy Laser Cannon, and Prox Mines. So it's, a, it's an interesting take on that. Uh, yeah, I think Kira's like, maybe a little bit of an underrated upgrade. Yeah. Uh, I know Paul Heaver was flying a Boba with her, and you just take the you know, the big rock kind of where the battle's going to happen, and that's the one you lock so the Boba can go wherever he pleases all, all around us. Yeah, I, I kind of get the feeling that Kira's a little more popular in the States than she is over here. I don't, I don't I, know, to say she's popular myself. anywhere, I think, is probably... Well, yeah. A reach. I don't think any, I've like Paul Heaver is pretty much the only person I've seen using it. Mm. Um, I think I saw it a few Gold Squadron streams, but maybe just the League Night ones. I don't know. It is especially good with the Slave One tile, isn't it? You can just oh, yeah. bug out over the rock. But the thing about the Slave One tile, and this is something Barb has said to me, so I'm going to steal a Sunday, is that it doesn't help you against the things that Boba's weak against. No. Boba's weak against stuff that can arc dodge. So like I-5s that move last or I-6s into his blind spots. And Slave 1 isn't really helpful there. Fully agree. I mean, I tried it at two events when I was just swapping around things, playing around. And never once in any of those games did I plan a manoeuvre with Boba thinking that I could go the other way. Maybe it's just me, but again, if you ain't going to plan that way, why have it? That's fair. I mean, it's it's tempting to say it's two points, so why not? But... Mm. Those two points matter, I suppose, if you're not using it. Bob, so the last question I want to ask you about your list is about IG-88D. Yeah. What's the what's the thinking there? Well, you're saving yourself, I think, five points to have two calculates instead of two focuses because you're going to take something. If Bob is re-rolling, he needs to be having something that can usefully take advantage of focus results. So you do need one or the other, I think. And I think... Yes, you can see lists that don't start with with IG, ATA or Perceptive Copilot, but I'm just not keen. And the number of times that you roll more than two focus results in a a single roll, relatively rare. I mean, I've not done the maths on it, whereas it's, it's quite common to be rolling two sets or more than two sets of dice in a turn and find yourself with one focus result. I, I can't contend that IG-88 is better than Perceptive Copilot. It obviously isn't. Two focuses are obviously better than two calculates. But that opens up room for a pretty nice bomb suite coming out the back of the, the Marauder. And for me, the if I, I think the real question is, if I was going for the bid, would I put Perceptive on or would I take IG-88? And having played with it, I think I would go absolutely nuts on the bid and take myself down to 185, 186, whatever it is, and just use IG-88. Um, I don't know what I'm going to be running for Euros at the moment, and my XTC list is fixed, but were it not for the fact that IG-88 is not hyperspace legal, I would be thinking about stripping right back for the, the hyperspace tournament on Sunday afternoon in Poland. It is an interesting question. Cause like, so two calculates is definitely way better than one focus. But it's just that... Uh... So with your build and you're shooting out the back, you're kind of quite honed for that. Do you find that you're getting into range one a lot? Like if you went up against a CIS swarm, do you just joust it? 
and just yeah. use IGAD and all yeah. the rerolls. Yeah. Well, it's not it's not just all the rerolls because you're also jousting it with a reinforce because if so you, you control would reinforce the... an IGA, yeah. Uh, so you'd rather have reinforce and two calculates rather than a focus and two calculates. Yeah. Yeah, against the swarm for sure. Oh, definitely. But depends how many shooting you. Well, it does depend how many shooting you, but suppose you manage to move from the edge of range three where you've taken two or three shots from the swarm and you've managed to take one or two damage. And then you move up to range one and there's more of the swarm moving in. You're then trying to angle that so that you have a way of um, getting round out of it afterwards. And... If you're then taking, I don't know, if it's a, a vulture swarm, you've probably got maybe four of you shooting, uh, four of them shooting, and three dice each, that's 12 dice. If all of a sudden they're only rolling a maximum of one damage each, and really when you started rolling your two defense dice, that's that's more or less where you are, then the the actual damage output from that swarm completely tumbles. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I... I had to face Simon Forwood at the open in the cut with his eight uh, Vulture Swarm, all with energy shells. And now I got lucky on the engage, first engagement. I just snuck behind a gas cloud. But sitting there, you know, range three, okay, energy shells, don't care about that. But behind a cloud with reinforced and focus tokens. And about, I think, six of them shooting at me. Cause he peeled a few of them off to deal with Fen. And I think I took like two damage. Right. Okay, that's uh, interesting stuff. So we have seen Boba pop up a lot more, and he's in a few of the XTC scum lists. So maybe he's coming back around to some popularity. We'll have to see. So good advice there from Alan Bob. So now just give us some updates on how the tournament went generally. It was an event for what charity, Bob? Yeah, it was for the uh, Yorkshire Air Ambulance. And we got up to 35 players at the event. Uh, the Ready Room guys have been pushing it fairly hard and the, the swag was pretty impressive. There was a ton of alt arts and ton of acrylic that was given out for that. And more important than all of that, they are raising somewhere certainly over 500 and possibly over 600 quid for their chosen charity. So it was a pretty effective charity drive uh, for them. And the ring was lovely. It was a very pleasant five-round Swiss event. Uh, we had, I think, two guys who finished on 5-0, and o, but Al pipped it with an impressive MOV. Yeah. Um, put some of that down to, I know two of the guys I played, they were saying they hadn't actually played that long, started about January. And one of the guys, another guy had worked out his list at 7am that day kind of showed that he didn't quite fully know what he was doing with it when he put Ricky Olay onto a rock forgetting he didn't have a hard one on that one so it's a bit of luck in who you play but yeah well that's definitely an element of that whereas uh, I I ended up facing uh, Alex Burt in the second round and he was running a double torrent double Jedi list and it was a really tight game it was super, super tight, and it taught me a pretty stark lesson about being greedy with Fen at range three. The fact that you've rolled a load of focuses on offense does not mean that you're going to roll less focuses on defense. And you can imagine what happened to Fen Rao 
Um, yeah. He, he uh, went off in uh, two shots in total, Ooh. which was, was upsetting. But it turned out that Bobber had real game against the Jedi, and, and it did come down to the, the last couple of dice rolls. Uh, in fairness to Alex, uh, if uh, he was he was comfortably ahead, but if we'd had some slightly strange dice, not insane dice, but a, a sort of one in eight, then I might have been able to to sneak that right at the end. So that was a cracking game. And I also faced David Sutcliffe, who was running a bizarre Falcon list with that crew member that lets you change your dial to a faster manoeuvre at higher difficulty of a different bearing. And he was using that to try and get real value out of um, Han Solo, Scum Han Solo's... Um, Resistance Han Solo. And it's Cable Conics is the name of that group. Oh, <laughs> uh, is it? Right, okay. So, yeah, is it is it Cable Conics? Yeah. Okay. And, yeah, on Resistance Han Solo. And, well, I think what it came down to was we, we traded Poe for Fenn. The problem was that his remaining piece was just going to dance around Bobber for half an hour until Bobber eventually blew up. Yeah, so fair play to Will for setting that event up. Do you know, is he planning on doing one again next year? You mentioned. Sounds like it from the posts on Facebook, yeah. Well, hopefully. It seems everyone had a good time he went, so I will try and be there next year if I can be. But that is all we have time for today. So thanks very much, Al, for coming on. Yeah, thank you. Uh, Thank you, Bob. Cheers. And thanks for listening, everyone. Trot.